Welcome everyone to a new episode of Monty Chronicles. I'm Tori Hoppy, And I'm her co-host, Johnny Sanquist. And today we are really excited to welcome Jess Bost, VP of Strategic Partnerships and Client Success over at Alpha Architect. Jess, what's up? Thank you for having me on the show, guys. Super excited to talk to y'all today. Excited to talk to you about yourself. Oh dear. We called the show That's Money right. Chronicles, we are talking but we're not me. talking about money. This is Jess Chronicles. Yes. So we always love to start this out. Um, everyone in our industry is, you know, really great about talking about money, but we never actually all talk about how we got here. And I think that's why Johnny and I wanted to start this podcast is because I think we all come from different walks of life. So we want to know about your personal relationship with money and how you got here. Um so just dig in. Let's go. Oof. Um, okay. Well, uh, my personal relationship with money is just, I think I feel ashamed about it. I think some of that is just my general upbringing and the fact that I feel ashamed of after some therapy, like maybe 92% of my life, but <laughs> we're not we're not at 99% anymore. But like it, it gets wrapped into the whole done differently, things I wish I'd known more about, things that and it all boils down to like I just um like I didn't grow up having much, right? And and if you think about food and, and if you think about money and the way you think about food, like when you don't have much, you just your decisions are easier, right? Because you're just yep. like you're surviving. Um you're you're eating what you have. You don't have to think about whether you're making good choices or bad choices because there are no choices, right? And so Growing up with little meant no choices really had to be made. The ones that we they did, my mom was real quiet about money, and so she didn't talk about it. And that, maybe it was shameful for her too. I don't know because uh, we never really got into it. But you know, I, I didn't I didn't see a decision making making matrix in front of me growing up. It wasn't ever modeled for me. It was just you spend what you had, and and that was just enough. Um, and so I think as I've advanced my career like one of the things I've always wanted was to be able to have be able to say yes more um to be able to make those decisions but then you realize like when you don't have a decision making matrix then you don't know what to say yes to and I think that's where just a lot of my bad decisions came from early on and then throughout and I would say much of my adult life is just figuring out how to make better decisions around money and I definitely wouldn't say I've gotten it right yet but I'm yeah, 92 instead of 99%. So we're getting there. Um, I mean, to to make you feel better, I don't think any of us are like 99%ers. <laughs> um, I, and sometimes I still don't think I have a spending matrix in front of me. Like I want to say yes to everything. Um, I'm literally staring out my window and my, at my neighbor next door, she has the 12 foot skellies. Uh. Mind you, it's only September 26th and both of hers are out. And every day I pull up and I want one. And Kyle's like, those are $300. And I was like, but but we could high five skellies across the street. (laughs) So that's my spending matrix. How to high five skellies. (laughs) Sounds like money well spent. Right. But so uh, I don't don't think any of us will ever be 99. Yeah. I mean, when you talk about like 
this decision matrix, right? Like, how'd you develop one? Like, is this kind of something that you just came to yourself? Did you have like a mentor later in life who kind of guided you toward maybe a better relationship or understanding to, to get to there? And like, what's, what's like a decision matrix? Like you said, like, what's that look like? What's that mean? Um, yeah. So, uh, like actually do credit several, several people, but one of them that stands out always for me is Nick Majuli and his, um, he's got such a simple, simple way of reducing, um, those money decisions down. Um, and his book, just keep buying. Um, I thought was just a really approachable way to, Mm. to help form some of those, uh, strategies, uh, around, around what to do. So I'll definitely give him a shout out. And if you haven't read his book, just keep buying, um, a really fantastic, a very approachable starter starting point. Um, for those who are looking on, looking at how to, how do I form some of those, uh, structures and, and models for myself. Yeah. I think a lot of it, unfortunately was just learned through bad experiences and, mm-hmm. and then you go, you step back and you go, okay, well that sucked. Like, how do I not do that again? Like credit cards for me are just, um, tough. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, part of my kind of early upbringing was the message that I got from my dad, which was, it's just money. And, and that taught me, mm-hmm. I think just through a couple of experiences of, you know, are we going to buy this? And my dad's saying it's just money. Um, it it kind of taught me that, hey, if money's in your pocket, then you can spend it if, if it's something that y- you want and that you like. And so I can't really have money in my pocket. Um, and, and whether that be via credit card or via bank account, or it doesn't really matter. Like if it's available dollars to me whether they're mine or someone else's um yeah because again it just i it wasn't that that's just my framing around money from such an early age that's really hard to to work through that i think also some of it comes down to your personality i'm the same way again just on the food side like if food is available to me i'm gonna eat it so i don't keep Uh a lot of junk food in my house uh only certain amounts that I really don't care too much about and can tolerate because if it's available to me, I'm going to eat it. And so it's part of it's too just learning me and learning how I work and what I need in order to be successful. And, um, yeah, it's, it's an overwhelming amount of decision points, right? Um, Uh whenever you, you don't, you don't have anything, but it's just money. Uh, and, and, Uh and there's a thing in front of you. It's much easier to see the thing than it is to scan, like to to step back and see the big picture in that moment. So, yeah, I mean, so much of like how all of us relate, not just to money, but relationships and other situations in life, comes back to like first experiences and like childhood experiences, things like that. And so, you mentioned kind of like how these things are built early in life for you. What was like reaching back into the memory banks, um, what would you say like your first memory of dealing with money or being aware of money would be? My, my first memory is easily, you know, the collection plate at church. Uh, like we were at church uh-huh. 
four or five days a week uh, growing up. Uh, like every yeah. time the doors are open, uh, twice on Sundays, Monday nights, Wednesday nights. You know? And so my framework and my like access to education about money pretty much came exclusively through the church and hmm. the religious teachings. And so like, um, you know, save 10%, give 10%, don't, um, don't be foolish and bury it in the ground. Like if you do that, you're dumb. If you give it all away, you go to heaven. Like, you know, the poor women were always God's favorites, right? So maybe if I just want to be God's favorite, then I'm just going to be poor for the rest of my life. And that's how I need to live my life. Like it's just the, the way that those teachings were entwined with people who were of good character and bad character and good morals and bad morals and the, um, mm-hmm. the eternal life stance that came from money decisions. Like it was all so very heavy. Uh, yeah. and, and none of it was about enjoyment and entertainment. None of it, like not nothing. Um, mm-hmm. because especially when you're poor, like, you give 10% knowing that you don't have 10% to give. You save 10% knowing that you don't really have 10% to save. And then everything is left over. Like you have to have to live. Um, like there's no enjoyment or entertainment with the rest of that money at all. Like it's just, we spend it on food and gas and clothes and like, you know, electricity bills. Like it's, and don't leave the door open, don't leave the lights on kind of thing. Like you are just making, making it work. Uh, in uh-huh. in the most restrictive way possible. So, um, yeah, my first memories were just around around that. And so again, yeah. money just was never something that provided optionality or decision points. That's I I love that what? you my- bring up like the church collection. Mm-hmm. Cause I didn't even think about that, but I distinctly remember like now that you've bring it up, like I distinctly remember going to church on Sundays with my, my grandparents and my grandpa handing us dollar bill, like us grandkids each putting a dollar bill into the collection bin and watching you almost like look at other people, making sure that everyone else is doing it. And that peer pressure that you felt sitting there going like, all I wanted to do was like, this sounds terrible, but like take that dollar to 7-Eleven and get a Slurpee afterwards. (laughs) Like it's all I wanted to do, but like I had to put it in the collection bin. Um, Now Uh, granted, like my grandparents, you know, spoiled us grandkids for sure. So like, sure. We am sure we got Slurpees afterwards, afterwards, but like that whole idea is like, I have this money in my hand and like, yes, I know I'm, I'm doing good by putting it in the collection bin, but like, goodness gracious, I'd rather, have to be able to do something fun with it. And like that mindset for a kid has got to be so hard. Like, yeah, I don't know how we, yeah, you guys, you guys are going to think this is, I hope you think this is funny, but my first memory of money is also the collection plate at church. Also my first memory of sin, uh, because This is, this is actually, this is a true story. Um, I I think I must have been like three years old, but my dad gave me like three pennies to put in the collection plate as it passed through, right? And I just remember being this like three-year-old kid in the pew looking at these three pennies in my hand, thinking to myself like, this is three pennies. 
And I am sure no one would notice if I just kept one for myself. So I like slide my hand like back behind myself and just kind of like leave a penny there and slide it back in front. And then like very close fisted, like reach my hand all the way in, drop the two pennies and like, let it go past. Cause I'm like, I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to take this penny. And then like my dad leans over and he's like, I know you kept a penny. <laughs> I got a lot of trouble oh stealing. So my first money memory is also my memory of stealing from God. So <laughs> I don't know what that says about me as a person, oh but we all have this shared collective experience of the <laughs> offering plates. Yes. 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 And it's so, like, yeah, I like, mean, sorry, you're like, you had to put it in. I'm like, no, you didn't. You yeah. could have yeah. <laughs> kept yeah. that penny. But like the system, I kept it. the system that that taught me was that we're all kind of struggling with it or struggle with it in our own ways. But for me, it was like the only money that you give to God is money that somebody else gives to you. Like, uh, like, you know, it wasn't ever something of my own as a child that I was feeling or deciding to give up. And like, I don't, I don't know. That just never, that was, that was a hard transition for me later on in life to be like, okay, but now this is my money. And, Mm. and, and the decision to give, whatever you're going to give of that is now very sacrificial uh, mm-hmm. as opposed to just a pass along, like here's a dollar that you get to put in that actually belonged to somebody else that you only touch for a yeah. minute. And even in that one minute, it was contentious, right? Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Like it, this, all those, I'll probably forever be where un- untangling all those um kind of very church religious ideals uh around money but those were those were tough like camels and eyes of knee eyes of needles and rich men are never right with god and like all that stuff that you know when you grow up and it's like okay but now i do have money does that now i'm struggling with me being the person that was always talked about unfavorably in, in those situations. And so like, am I, am I a bad person now? Or how do I make sure that I'm a, a good person and, and be really super responsible with this thing that I've never been given a structure or plan to be responsible with? I got to make it this up on my own. Like, how do I know that I'm doing it right so much? Yeah. yeah and it sounds like for you, like your parents didn't give you that education with air quotes around like money. So did they teach you anything about money or was that just like a learned, like you learned as you grew up? I mean, again, it was always the, the teachings that I had were always ones that originated with the church. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and so it was still just like that passed along lesson. Um, And, and growing up, my parents never had more than what, you know, more than what we absolutely needed. And so uh, I I wasn't privy to my mom's decisions on how things got spent inside that, you know, 80% or whatever was left over after we give, you know, they gave and saved. Um, and, and my dad was the only one that was vocal about it. And he was like, no, it's just money, <laughs> you know. So, <laughs> but little did I know that, like, the only money he had was the money that my mom, like, Put it in his pocket. Put it in his pocket, you know? (laughs) You can have this to be, like, whatever you want to do with money about. But, you know, again, I just, 
I didn't, I didn't understand ever really how it worked. And so had to, yeah, yeah pretty much just teach myself what, what to do with it and where to, like, I made a lot of really dumb decisions. <laughs> <laughs> do yeah. you have a, uh, like worst money mistake that you want to talk about? Um, Cause this is kind of like the last question we always ask is like, what's your worst mistake, but also what did it teach you? So we, yeah. you know, we got to well, have, have a life lesson at the end. I don't know if it's my worst, but it's a funny one. So how about that? Um, that works. I like them. So, uh, it's always one that comes to mind whenever I think about like just stupid things that I did. Um, and, and so whenever I was in elementary school, I think it's like fourth, fifth grade, I bet a guy $10 that I could beat him in a foot race. And like, if you know me, I'm not like, I'm strong, but I'm not like the fastest person. And I never have been the fastest person on the planet. Um, so I don't know what I was thinking. I was just like, I don't know. It was, I was confident. It sounded fun. It was a challenge. Um, I don't know. Um, so we raced. I lost. And so then, of course, I didn't have $10 to my name. And at that time, in like 1990, $10 is more like, I don't know, $30. So I can understand why my kids wouldn't have like $30 just to bet somebody in a foot race about. So... Of course, yeah. I was on the way to school the next morning. And I was like, uh, "Dad, so I, uh, I need, I need ten dollars." Like, what do you need ten dollars for? I'm like, um, so I made a bet. You made a bet, <laughs> and then I got like a whole church lecture on like why you don't make bets uh, and why we don't gamble and and all the reasons that you know people like that go to hell and then i also got another lecture on the value of money and so it was just a excruciatingly painful and embarrassing lesson to not only be beat in the foot race like in front of all my friends at school but then have to sit through double lectures on all the bad decisions I'd made to get oh, me man. to that point. It's like, I know, Damn, I know. give up that 10 bucks. I know. And you didn't have to turn yeah. up the 10 bucks. It was like, oh. We were like, I'm <laughs> betting on myself, you know? Some right. self-confidence here. Right. This is a good right. thing. I, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I learned anything about money, but I learned that losing sucks. So, <laughs> And you didn't want to be lectured again. And I didn't want to be lectured again, so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Next time, challenge someone to a deadlift instead of a, a race. Exactly. You'll, you'll learn. Yeah. One. yeah. <laughs> Lean into your gifts, Jess. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> Speed, not it. Yeah. Yeah. If you bet big money like that, you got to make sure you can win it. <laughs> yeah. Well, Jess, thank you so much for spending some time with us today and taking time to get into like the personal side of money for you. This has been fun yeah, talking no, with I, you. I love this conversation. Like I said, I think the world can definitely use a lot more open openness around this topic uh, for people to uh, push past the shame and and open up about the decisions that they've made and then the struggles they've had and the lack of uh, helpful guidance, you know, up to this point. Because, you know, there's one thing to make bad decisions in light of uh, great understanding and knowledge, but then there's the whole other flip side of the coin, which is just you're, you're doing the best you can with what you've got. And, and to give yourself permission to, to recognize that, that maybe some of the decisions that you criticize yourself for were really just you doing the best that you could with what you had. And the 
learning from that informed you into a different place and now you're making better decisions, but that was because now you had some additional learning and experience to add to what you knew before. Like, I think we could certainly do better as a culture and as a society to move past that shame and embrace that we're all on a journey here. So I love what y'all are doing. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, Jess. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining along with us on this episode of Money Chronicles. Please like, subscribe, write a review, whatever you want to do. We just want you to follow this journey with us as we interview more of your favorite people from financial services. We'll see you next time.